I actually started gaining, I don't want to say fans, but I'll say fans. I was gaining fans because they were watching me every day and they were expecting me to be there every day. And that gave me the freedom and that gave me the, the confidence to come out and go, okay, people just might want to hear a little bit of what Olair has to say. The internet has made it easier than ever to start a business. Succeeding on the internet, now that's another story. The big question is, what are those who are succeeding doing differently? This podcast has the answers. Hi, my name is Lisanne Murphy. I've spent the last three years running a successful advertising agency. I noticed with certain clients, I ran into the same problem over and over again. Their offering was just not grabbing the prospect's heart and wrestling them into purchasing submission. Why? Many of these business owners were so far down the road in their journey and so in love with their product, they forgot who they were serving, missing some essential steps along the way. So I'm pivoting focus. Join me as I go behind the scenes with the most brilliant entrepreneur minds to demystify the nitty gritty marketing hacks needed to be successful before spending thousands on advertising that ultimately separate the internet legends from the dreamers. Welcome back to The Marketing Matrix. We welcome Larry Roberts back again today to share more of his story and also his advice in the need to be your most authentic, creative self. I absolutely cannot wait for you to hear some of what Larry offers. So keep listening. Welcome to The Marketing Matrix Podcast. I'm your host, Lisanne Murphy, and I'm here with the incredible and talented and generous Mr. Larry Roberts. Larry, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. This is a tremendous opportunity and it's one that I'm glad we finally got to do. Yeah. Larry and I have been like playing cat and mouse, chasing each other, playing tag for a few months now. I've uh, been stalking each other online. So I'm super excited for the opportunity that we have to be able to chat today. I want to introduce this entrepreneur and then give him a chance to tell his story um, because this guy is the real deal guys. So Larry is quickly becoming one of the most sought after podcast consultants and content creators in the industry, regularly publishing articles and appearing on other podcasts. He specializes in creating podcast media kits, speaker one sheets, and custom podcast art. Larry also offers podcast auditing, coaching, and helping clients increase audience engagement using live video, which is so hot right now. I love, I love that, uh, that you're focusing on live video because that's just a huge, huge topic. So again, Larry, thanks so much for, for being with us today and for taking the time and for being willing to share your brain with us on the marketing matrix. I don't know about that. There's only so much to share, but we'll do our best. <laughs> I love it. So for those listeners that aren't as familiar with who you are, how, tell us your story. Like, how did you get into podcasting and becoming so passionate about it? You know, I, and I hate to be cliche, but I learned about it about, well, I, I probably heard about it six or seven years ago. A friend of mine kept trying to get me to listen to Joe Rogan, listen to Joe Rogan, because I'm also a big fight fan and I've been watching the UFC since it started. So of course, Joe Rogan hosts the UFC. So I thought, ah, what the heck, I'll give it a shot. And what I heard blew my mind because I kind of have a history of uh, saying the wrong thing at the right time. And I tend to get in trouble with my mouth a lot. So I was like, if this podcasting thing allows you to do this and allows you to say that, it's made for Larry. It's made for me, man. So I had to figure out what it was all about. 
And I jumped in, I mean, just right into the deep end and tried to go right at it. Now, of course, it wasn't successful right out of the gate. Uh, I didn't necessarily have the right equipment and didn't necessarily have the right approach, but, you know, we did what we could and it evolved over time and our proficiency in podcasting evolved right along with it. Uh, and eventually the first, Readily Random is my second show. So my first show was a comedy show because I always thought I was a comedian. And uh, well, it turns out that eh, I got a joke or two, but that's about it. But the podcast did really, really well. And I mean, we took it uh, on online radio. We took it to an online stage show and it eventually transformed into an open mic night at one of the local clubs here in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And before coronavirus hit, it was the biggest open mic in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. So I don't think I had anything to do with the open mic side too much, but if it wasn't for the show, the open mic wouldn't even be there. So, uh, you know, I'm happy to help there. <laughs> but <laughs> after that, you know, cause it was kind of a dirty show. Meaning, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 47. I come from the time of Sam Kennison and, and Andrew Dice Clay and Robin Williams and all those guys that kind of pushed the boundaries. And of course I was pushing the boundaries cause that's what drew me into podcasting in the first place. But regardless, and this is a lesson that anybody can learn, regardless of how uh, it appears that you have no repercussions based on what you say, uh, it can actually come back and bite you a little bit. And that's exactly what ended up happening with me. The show got to a point where it really wasn't, it wasn't widely marketable. Now, of course, it had an audience and it did really well. It did better than readily random in most cases in the same amount of time. But again, it was, it was not something that I really, when it got out there, I really wanted to put my face on, you know, it just was something that was just a little too inappropriate. So ended up putting that podcast away and calling it quits. I pulled it off the internet. I did everything I could, could to sweep it from history. I mean, just, I don't think it's out there anywhere. I'm, I'm pretty confident. Uh, you might find a, a, a logo or two from some podcast artwork, but aside from that, uh, that podcast is dead. So I started evaluating exactly what was my drive behind podcasting? What did I want to do? Well, I was three years sober. So uh, the first thing I did after getting sober from alcoholism was that's when I got into podcasting. So after about three years, I, I thought, you know what, maybe I just need to start doing something that will give back to the community. And I had an overall goal of doing it full time as a full time podcaster. So I needed something marketable. I needed something that's widely acceptable. And I started thinking, and back in the MySpace days, even MySpace, I had a blog called Readily Random. And I thought, man, I just, I still love that name. And I thought maybe we'll start a podcast called Readily Random. And what I'll do is I'll feature people that have recovery stories, people that contribute to recovery and success stories and just positive reinforcement uh, for, for everybody to listen to. And that's great. And the message was great. Um, it did start to weigh on me a little bit after hearing story after story after story of people coming up short in their lives. Now, granted, they all turned around and came back, but I think I was still too raw at the time to be taking that kind of, that, that type of input on. Cause I would, it would just, you know, I was still, it took me a while to get over my whole alcoholism thing. So uh, anyways, it started to evolve and I started bringing on people that I thought were cool. I'd go to Amazon and I'd look for authors of books that seemed cool and I'd reach out and I'd invite them on and they'd come on. So this was great because it really fit the readily random profile. 
because I've had everybody on from uh, a co-star from Ozark to uh, a PhD, uh, an MIT professor that is the number one guy in America in origami art. I love origami. Okay. Don't judge me. Okay? Don't judge me. But uh, it's good stuff. So, I mean, I've had everybody, FBI agents, I, you name it, man. I've had a whole smear of people on the show. But then I ran into another issue, and we can talk about that. But the, the issue there is I'm still not marketable. And you might wonder why, because I'm trying to reach everybody, but yet I'm still not reaching really anybody. And there's a secret to that that most podcasters don't grasp, and that is I wasn't niched. I, I didn't have an audience. I presented quality, what I considered quality content, and I'm still quite proud of even some of the earlier episodes of the show. But again, I didn't have an audience defined. And I may have a listener for episode seven, but that same listener is not going to listen to episode 12, or that same listener is not going to listen to episode 123. So I didn't have an audience, and although I would catch some ears here and there, and people would go, oh, that was a great episode, they're not necessarily returning customers. And that's a problem if you want to monetize your show and you want to do podcasting full-time. If you don't have a tribe, if you don't have followers, if you don't have fans full-time, then you're going to have a very difficult time monetizing anything. And that was a tough lesson to learn, but I learned it. And here I am today. It's a little different. Things are a little bit different now. And uh, I mean, I'm not, uh, not rolling the dough just yet, you know, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So that's my story, man. I love it. So, so how did you, I mean, with uh, you being just the curious individual that you are, how did you narrow in on what audience you want to serve? Like, I, I think that's one problem that I hear a lot of entrepreneurs talk about is they're like, well, I, I love everybody. I love all types of people. So like, and, and you're right. Like if you try to market to everybody, you really are marketing to nobody. So how did mm -hmm. you define who it was, your audience was, and what your topic was that you were going to settle in on? And how, how did that process work for you? I got to tell you, it's, it's still evolving, to be honest with you. But I, I really started focusing on podcasters and wannabe podcasters and small business owners. And you can see over time how the show evolved into more of an entrepreneurial flair. But even then, I, I felt like I wasn't niched enough because there's entrepreneurs for just about anything you can possibly imagine. How am I going to speak to this entrepreneur here or that entrepreneur over there with the same message and have them both interested? Very difficult to do, if not impossible. So what I started doing was, and I, I believe I provided uh, one of my tools that I use for, for entrepreneurs and for my listeners is I started leaning towards the creativity side of podcasting and leaning towards the uh, not living up to other people's expectations of you or what I call comparanoia. Uh, I worked with a gentleman that, that did a TEDx talk on comparanoia and he actually trademarked the word. And he and I are now business partners and I have access and rights to the word in regards to anything podcasting. So I started taking podcasting, a comparanoia approach to podcasting and helping people overcome that comparanoia and turn comparanoia into celebration. So creativity and anti-comparanoia is where I ended up. And those are my two primary talks that I give uh, when I join online conferences or I speak in person or anything like that. Those were the days. But uh, <laughs> that's really what I focus on now is helping others find their creativity and be themselves, not worry about everybody else. I love that. I love that. And it's so important, right? And there's, 
I, I think there's always a fine balance between like you need to model model what's working, but like you have to be uniquely you. And and often, I mean, I uh, for a, a big passion of mine is educational reform because I personally believe that the formal education system, while it it has its benefits, it also has its has its faults, and that I think that it it uh, trains the creativity out of people. And so as adults, they often have struggles with figuring out how to be authentic and creative and individualistic. So uh, I would love for you to go into that. Like how, how, how do you help people be creative through the, um, through the channel of a podcast? That's, that's just super fascinating. Well, depending on your niche, of course, your creativity is going to come at you from a variety of different perspectives, but the way that I, I like to talk about it is that creativity is literally all around us. You know, one of the big things that we do right now that kind of stifles creativity because I think it's inform information overload is we are on the internet all the time. We're on a computer all the time. We're on a, a phone all the time. And we see others work and others creativity, but we don't really look at it as our own. We don't look to create our own. And that's where we get stifled because we end up going, well, that worked for them. So I guess that's what I need to do. And then we copy that. And then from there, we go ahead and we try to be them and we try to be that content. We try to live through that creativity instead of living through our own creativity. So I try to get people to maybe sometimes step away from the laptop, close that lid, go outside. You can still go outside even right now. You can go outside right now. Matter of fact, my wife's out there, so it's cool. You know, it makes the house nice and quiet. But uh, <laughs> she says the same thing about me when I'm gone, so it's all fine. But that's one of the big things, man, is just uh, stepping away and looking at things from a different lens. You know, I also recommend just find your place. Where do you like to go to get away from it all? You know, one of my slides in my presentation, it says to sing in the shower. Now, I'm not a big fan of singing in the shower. I don't have a good singing voice. But oddly enough, and maybe this is TMI, but most of my ideas come to me in the shower. And sometimes I got to jump out, wrap that towel around and run over and write it down. I had a buddy of mine. It's funny because he does the same thing. And I think you probably know him, but I'm not going to drop his name. But he, he called me the other day because he had a podcasting idea while he was in the shower. And he's like, all right, dude, I, I just had to tell you that before I forgot. I got to finish my shower. I got soap dripping in my eyes. And off he went. And it just cracked me up. I'm like, man, when it hits you, you know, you got to grasp onto that spontaneity and that creativity and you have to capture it somehow. And even when I was doing comedy, I still had a comedy joke book so that when it, and I still have it, I don't know where it's at right now, but uh, where I would, if I got an idea for a joke, I would write it down. And then later on I could go back and I could review that and I could flush it out and I could find the joke or find the punchline or find the intro, whatever I needed to do. And it's the same way with any kind of content that I'm creating for my podcast. You know, right now the podcasting space is slammed. I mean, we got over a million podcasts out there now. I don't know if you knew that, but just recently we broke the million mark. And although that sounds like a lot, the percentage of consistently updated podcasts still remains about the same. You're in the 20 to 25% mark that, that regularly publish episodes. So if you're sitting here going, oh my God, I want a podcast, but the space is too crowded. It's saturated. I had somebody tell me the other day and I said, no, it's not saturated. You know, it's a million people. Who cares? You know, you can do it too. How many blogs were there, right? And blogs crushed it, but nothing saturated. What, what, what you need to do is you need to saturate yourself with your creativity. 
because the market's saturated with the same thing that's being played over and over and over and over in the same video that's just being done by a different face and the same message that's being portrayed by a different person, but it's the exact same thing, almost verbatim in some instances. So break away from that and do you. People are going to like you. And guess what? People are going to not like you. I promise. And it's such a rewarding experience when you get that first hater. You're like, oh my God, they said something bad about me. This is so great. It means I'm making an impact. Somebody's taking the time to at least insult me. That is awesome. So you're making ground, right? Don't take it personal. Just build on it and live on it and just celebrate that moment. And that's another thing that I said a minute ago, you know, learning how to take your comparanoia because that bad review might make you feel really bad. You go, oh, well, they didn't say that about so-and-so's. And now here you are comparing yourself to their success. Forget that, man. Look at it as an opportunity to celebrate. Someone took the time to write a bad review for you or write some kind of little, you know, sarcastic remark on the interwebs or whatever. That's the other thing. It's the interwebs. Everybody's talking smack on the interwebs. Come on. <laughs> I love it. I love that perspective. And uh, so, and just so you know, my last Christmas, my brother gave me waterproof sticky notes for my shower wall because the shower is the the place of revelation for me as well so yes. <laughs> love it so and apparently we aren't the only ones um, right on so yeah and i i guess for, for those of you that if you catch this on on video I, I i wish you could see for those that are just listening i want to like just paint the picture like like larry larry isn't just talking about creativity like he has all these figurines behind him he has got baby yoda He's got Batman, you know, he has all kinds of stuff, like, which I'm sure that he is just trying to show that he's being one individual, but two, he's creating an environment where he can be creative as well, which is, which is awesome. So um, I, I love that take that, that you have on that. And I think that it's so important to remember that there's only one us. And so we've got to, to be individuals. Yeah, I tell you, I've, I sold myself short so many times over the years because I was comparing myself to someone else that had already found success in that arena that I knew I was just as good, maybe even a little bit better, but I didn't have the confidence and I wasn't brave enough to step out and overcome my comparanoia and celebrate it with a, whether it's a performance or whether, whatever it may be, you know, I was big into martial arts for 20 plus years and I was, I, I competitively fought, but I got to a point where I was like, man, you know, if I take this next step up in competition, you know, my buddy over here, he's crushing people. This is so cool. What if I step up there and I come up short? Uh, you know what? I'm just going to have to, I'm going to have to ride this one out. I'm just going to have to sit back, stay comfortable where I'm at. Don't get uncomfortable. Don't be afraid of, of taking that step. Take that step. Do it. And if you come up short, so what? Who else came up short? I guarantee you more people came up short than ever made it to the next level. But guess what? Those people that came up short, they still outnumber everybody that didn't even try. I love it. I love it. That's so powerful. So good. Awesome. Okay. So in, in your email to me, you talked about how um, you cre you've created and marketed one of the highest rated podcast courses on Udemy. I would love for you to talk about what, what that is and how that process went for you and, and, and what the marketing of it look, looked like behind it. Let's dive into that. Right on. So the, uh, can I name the course? Is that all right? Can I drop a yeah, little plug? Please, okay. please, please, please. The, the name of the course is one plus one equals podcast. And it's the same name as my book that also went number one uh, on Amazon. So, uh, but I tell you what, my book did well. My course is still doing well to this day. 
but I didn't do it by myself. I didn't do either one. I hired coaches for both activities. I hired a coach to write my book in 30 days and I ended up writing it in 20 days because the first 10 days I read my progress. I was like, this is garbage. And I crumpled it up and I threw it away and I started over, but I still managed to get the, the entire book out in, in 20 days and published and ranking number one all within 20 days. So that worked out for me pretty well. Thanks to my coach. Right. But the, the, the course is something that I wanted to do as well. And so I hired a coach that specialized in writing courses. So her and I, we worked together regularly and uh, I went through, she showed me exactly how she does it and gave me some ideas on ways that I could do it. And of course, I spent way too much time on the course because every little detail had to be in place. And of course, I had to draw little custom characters and all kinds. I went way beyond what I should have went for this silly course. And it took me forever to do it. And I should have had this course out in six to eight weeks. And man, I think it took me four months. I mean, it took me forever just because I wanted everything to just be perfect. And although my coach told me, said, dude, don't be perfect. Just do. Don't worry about being perfect. Just get it out there. But that's just not how I roll. I got to have it perfect when it comes to artistic expression. You know what I mean? So anyways, we eventually got it out there. And again, it's called one plus one equals podcast. It's on Udemy. Um, I think the last I checked, it had a 4.6 rating, which is one of the highest out there. It's consistently featured by Udemy. Uh, which there's a benefit there that you you can't buy being featured on Udemy. They just they they feature you if your course performs, if it has the quality reviews, and if it has uh, 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 Udemy ranks when someone buys your course, they they evaluate how much of that course that they actually use. So if you have usage stats that support being featured, that means you probably have pretty decent content, and they'll continue to feature your course. Not only will they feature it, they'll include that in their marketing. So if you have a quality course on Udemy and it's performing on Udemy, then Udemy goes, you know what? Stick them in the newsletter too. So you get their entire customer base that gets emailed from Udemy to say, hey, check out this course that we're featuring right here. And I benefited from, from that opportunity. Um, there's some other tricks to the trade of Udemy. Um, I kind of look at it as kind of a, um, you know, like an MLM or a multi-level marketing uh, structure in that if you are attached to someone that has an audience, then that makes your initial audience bigger as well. And if they're attached to someone, then it just goes on down. And, and of course, the more attachments or the bigger your community is there on Udemy, uh, the better off you're, you're probably going to do. So I did benefit from the coach, not just in the, hey, teach me how to do this, but in the fact that she does Udemy for a living. Her and her husband both live off of Udemy. And uh, it's amazing. And although I don't live off of Udemy, it was something that I wanted to do and I'm still benefiting from it today. So I, I really appreciated her help in getting me where it was. Or I is. love that. Well, congratulations. That's a big deal because uh, you're right. Like going to platforms where there's already an audience, it helps like Udemy and LinkedIn or Medium if you're a blogger, but there, there's, it's, there's still, there's so many people on there as well. And so to be able to be featured like that is that's, that's quite an honor. That's awesome. That's awesome. I got, I got to brag about it a little bit, you know? Yeah. So what, <laughs> what marketing are you doing in your business currently to, uh, to promote your, your consulting services, the, your course, your book, what, what are some of the strategies that you're using currently? Uh, right now I'm really focusing on speaking engagements 
that was kind of the next level that I wanted to start attacking. And that's what I've done. Um, I had the opportunity to participate in the first indie podcast conference that was online. So I made friends with the gentleman that, don't, that runs that and owns that. And he allowed me to speak on his first show. Uh, I think I've done three of his now. And then I have another one coming up this week. Um, I just booked with Ever Gonzalez. Ever Gonzalez puts on the Outlier Podcast Festival, and I'll be speaking in his show uh, in September. Didn't, I didn't get to know him in time to, to make this show, but I'll definitely be participating come September, hopefully in person. Hopefully we get to have it in person. I don't know. It'll probably still be virtual by then, but I'm also trying to speak at, uh, at Podcast Movement this year. I don't know if you got the, the email today, but Podcast Movement's been moved to, what is it, October 18th or something like that, the week of? October 18th, somewhere in that neighborhood. And although they haven't announced the speaker lineup yet, uh, they're going to announce that after the 1st of June. And I'm still in it to win it. I wanna, I wanna speak and it's kind of convenient since they're gonna have it in Dallas. And I just happen to live in Dallas. So I'm like, ah, come on, let's do it, man. I love it. That is awesome. So when you say speaking engagements, uh, I mean, obviously because of the state of the, of the world, everything is virtual. Um, with you being a podcaster, are you primarily focused on podcasting engagements and like virtual events and things like that? Or, um, I mean, you, and you talked about being on the stage with, with that event that, that you just mentioned in October, but like, like when you, when you say speaking engagements, like, does that mean more virtual or in, in person and stage for you? It started off to be in person and on stage, and it was more of a local engagement because you have to start somewhere, and locally was where I was going to start. So I, I got going. Just I had just barely landed like two gigs, and then Corona hit. So uh, it's actually turned into something that's helped me going having to go virtual because I was already somewhat comfortable virtual because I've been podcasting for five years. So I'm like, oh, this is this is cake. But what really helped me, and what really kind of helped me take that next step was I participated back in November in uh, Napod Pomo. You heard of that? Mm -mm. The National Podcast Posting Month, I think is what's, what they call it, where you podcast every day and you, you post it. So you, you go to a whole, a whole month, it's the entire month, and you post a podcast every day for the whole month. And you talk about a challenge coming up with creative ideas there, but I thought I would take it to the next level because I, this is what I wanted to do. So I thought this would be a perfect opportunity to be held accountable because there's a Facebook group and everybody helps everybody and you, you check in daily and, and show your progress and make sure that you're, you're doing what you committed to doing. But uh, I took it to the next step and said, you know what? I'm going to do live Facebook videos and not only save it as a video, but I'm going to record the audio and I'm going to post that as my daily podcast. So that's what got me going, man, was I was able to go, I, I had to suck it up. I didn't want to. Going live on Facebook is intimidating. It's really scary, especially that stupid counter up there in the top left-hand corner that shows how many people are on. I'm like, oh my God, there's like one. Oh, zero. Oh gosh. You know, that could be horrible. That could be horrible. So one of the ways that I overcome it was I just put a post-it note up there and covered the counter. I didn't want to see how many people were in the channel because I didn't want to change the way that I was, I was operating or the way that I was presenting my material based on one to five users. You know what I mean? So I started doing that and lo and behold, people started latching on. People started watching regularly and people that I, they, they, I didn't even know them. That was the big thing. I was like, Oh, I don't even know you. And you're coming back every day. I'm like, who are you? This is so cool. And they would chat and they'd ask questions and I had themes going throughout the month. And of course they would ask me about this theme or that theme or whatever it may be. But I actually started gaining 
I don't want to say fans, but I'll say fans. I was gaining fans because they were watching me every day and they were expecting me to be there every day. And that gave me the freedom and that gave me the, the confidence to come out and go, okay, people just might want to hear a little bit of what Olair has to say. So I started doing it more and more and more. And even after Napod Pomo came to a conclusion, I continued going live every day on Facebook. And I just started doing that again this past week. And I haven't been uh, doing it right because I haven't been every night. But, you know, before I told you, we, and we even brought it up, that we were going back and forth trying to, to get a hold of each other and get our schedules to work. That's because I've been fighting this voice issue that, that, that is just, it's really, really put a damper on me. And uh, actually, one of the things that I did as well to still continue marketing myself and my services was I started writing articles for podcast periodicals, like the Podcast Business Journal. I think I've got five or six in there. Uh, podcast Movement Magazine. Uh, I did an did a, a article for them. I was actually, in more bragging rights, uh, was featured in Podcast Magazine for the month of April. So they did, they did a little four-page feature on me. So that was kind of cool. So I was doing those things to get out there because I couldn't talk. And a silent podcaster is a really tough life to live. So uh, I, again, I continued fighting this. And I'll tell you, man, I'm sitting here. Uh, I'm trying to make it through this with, with something called vocal ease. and some stuff you squirt at the back of your throat for singers. And I've got these nice little lozenges that I'm taking that's supposed to help. And I mean, I'm doing everything to try to get my voice back. And uh, it's, it's not cooperating fully. But I said, man, here's the scene. Either I fade into obscurity or I work with what the good Lord gave me. This is where I'm at. Is this my new normal? Is this my new voice? I don't know. But we're going to find out. So uh, I'm starting to see a little bit of improvement. My wife tells me the more that I'm talking, the more I'm sounding like myself. And I can kind of see that. But uh, there are definitely times where I, I don't, like right now, I don't really sound like me. I sound like Alex Jones. I sound like I should be talking about flying saucers invading America or something, you know? And that's kind of how I feel with this voice. <laughs> <laughs> that is just too funny. I love it. I love it. Well, I mean, I love how you say, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta work with what you've got. I love exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, how, how do you, how do you monetize your podcast? Cause I've, I've spoke with a, with a number of people, um, who, who monetize their podcast in different ways in terms of, in terms of the guests and the audience. And there's lots of different um, angles and um, strategies for that. How do, how do you go about monetizing a podcast? I don't monetize the podcast. I use the, the podcast as a tool for monetization. Uh, I, I don't take sponsors. I, I don't look to do Patreon or anything along those lines. Not that there's anything wrong with either one of those. If that's your business model and that works for you, great. Uh, it's just not the route that I took because one, uh, to get quality sponsors and really start converting that CPM to some decent checks, you got to have a pretty big audience. And a lot of people come right out of the gate. I've actually had several people reach out to me and go, Larry, could I take my, my, my blog and turn it into a podcast and start making money during this COVID thing? So you can do that, but the odds of you making money during this COVID thing are, 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 are pretty remote. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't sugarcoat. I'm not a sugarcoating kind of guy. I'm going to tell you straight up, you can make a dime. But <laughs> because you're just not, man. If you think you're going to come out and start making big money and getting these big sponsors, it just doesn't work that way. And that was a lesson that I had to learn as well because that's what I anticipated doing. I just knew I was going to have all these listeners that had all these sponsors and I was going to get all this money because, you know, I was going to start monetizing my audience. And, man, it's, it's, it's a lot tougher than the concept sounds. So what... I push for people to do is to use their podcast 
as a source of monetization, meaning I use my podcast to market me. I use my podcast to market my graphics company. I use my podcast to market my uh, book or my course. I don't really push the book too much. I'm not exactly proud of that one. Proud that I did it, but you know, I'm not too happy with the content. So <laughs> I'll give it to you for free. If you want it, just reach out to me. I'll send you a PDF. So, <laughs> but I am proud of my course. My course is awesome. So, and if, uh, if my writing coach hears this by some chance, you probably know her. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love you. And I love the book. It's just, you know, we could, we could have done better. I mean, that's all I'm saying is we could have done better. So again, I, I use the podcast to create opportunities for monetization. You know, I do a lot of artwork. I do podcast cover art. I do uh, speaker one sheets, as you said in the, uh, the original opening of this particular podcast. And I do one sheets that are so unique and so different that a lot of people want to take advantage of the opportunity to have a, a Larry Roberts one sheet. And of course I had to go third person there because you know, it's that good. No, I'm just kidding. They're, they're cool though. They really are. And you can go out to my website and check those out. Uh, but I make sure that they reflect a personality of the individual that they're representing. You know, so many one sheets, if you've been in the business, you know what they are. They send you some, some piece of paper with somebody's picture in a circle and some geometric shapes in the background. And then you're just slammed with a wall of text. That's not fun. That's not intriguing. That's not, that doesn't set you apart from the crowd. That is called saturation. You do that, you're doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. They're participating in that saturation that's out there, the perceived saturation, because it's not real. It's just perceived. But you do have to set yourself apart. And my podcast is used to push my graphics, my course, my book, my services, anything along those lines. So uh, it's the tool, it's, well, it's the glue that ties everything together. I love it. So cool. Awesome. I love it. Okay. So how can people follow you and find you if they want to uh, follow your journey or uh, get in touch, touch with, with you, with you or find your book, your course, like give us, give us the contact Larry at dot, dot, dot spiel. Well, it is Larry at readily random.com. That's R-E-A-D-I-L-Y, readily. It surprises me how many people have a hard time with that, especially when I'm on the phone. They're like, what? Readily, readily, what? I don't know what you, it's so crazy. If I'd have known that it was gonna be that much trouble, I would have went with a different name. But <laughs> it's just readily, it's a common word. So Larry at readilyrandom.com. And the website is readilyrandom.com, go figure, right? Uh, if you wanna take a look at my course, you can go to readilyrandom.com slash podcasting dash made dash easy. Awesome. Okay. Well, we're going to drop those links in the episode notes and guys, he also is giving listeners a free creativity poster with it that will be available in the marketing matrix toolbox, which we're super, super excited to have. So Larry, I've got one question for you. I always love to end the podcast with this question uh -oh, and it is, uh, what has been the biggest internal transformation that you've experienced in your journey as an entrepreneur podcaster? Oh man, I tell you what, again, it all started after I got sober. So congratulations um, with that, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm, I don't know. It's like six and a half years. I don't track the days or anything, but I remember when, you know what I mean? But uh, when I came back home, uh, I knew I needed something. And I was looking and I was looking and it took me about a year to figure it out and figure out that it was podcasting. And podcasting, it gave, podcasting, I can't even say the word, uh, gave me direction. It gave me a, a desire to, 
do something creative, which I've always been kind of a creative wannabe kind of guy. And it gave me that outlet and it gave me something to focus on versus sitting here and going back and, and recreating new habits that weren't healthy, that weren't effective to a successful lifestyle. And, and prior to my bout with alcoholism, I mean, I, I was driven, I was focused, uh, I had goals, I never settled for mediocrity, but man, once you start getting, getting on that sauce and it starts dragging you down, you, you go well below mediocrity if you put yourself in my shoes. So I had to dig myself out. And that's what entrepreneurship and podcasting has really done for me, is that it let me take this, this energy that I had, that I had suppressed for so many years, and bring it back to the forefront and get back out into society and get back out doing things that I enjoy, like the artwork, like talking. I love to talk. Can you tell? I love to talk. So why not do a podcast? It's perfect. So that's the biggest transformation that podcasting has given me. It's allowed me to express myself in a variety of different fashions. And I can't imagine the last five years without it. I love that. Oh, Larry, well, you are, you are just just the most genuine, awesome guy. It has been such a pleasure having you on the show. And I just want to thank you for sharing your heart, putting your good out into the world and uh, for just bringing it big time for us today on, on the Marketing Matrix. So again, thank you so much, Larry. And, uh, and we look forward to keeping in contact with you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Huge thanks to you for listening today. And I know you picked up some gold nuggets along the way. Guys, be sure to tune in next week to hear from Ryan Espinoza. Ryan is a personal friend of mine, and he was actually my Facebook coach. He's sharing with us his experience with using SMS texting in marketing, and I promise you will want to be there. It absolutely blew my mind. There is a quick and easy way for you to help out our podcast reach others like you who can benefit from it. Just rate and review the podcast or even share it through your social media channels. Life as an entrepreneur can be complicated enough, so let's share the love with others. And remember, you are always invited to join the marketing conversations in my free Facebook group called Facebook Ads for Coaches, Course Creators, and Lifestyle Ecom Brands. To hop in with others trying to master the ad game and scale their business, go to www.facebook.com slash groups slash FB ad ninja. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.